Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. And we want to welcome back to the show, I Smell Bananas, from Minute of the Apes, Todd Hartzell and Sean Jackson. Zero would be very upset. She I not loathe like bananas. Ah. You're, you're, I'm sorry. That literally happened in Escape, where there's a whole banana it. moment, and we ha- I swear to God, our podcast stopped down because uh. Zira says I loathe bananas, and guess what? I truly loathe Todd, bananas. I, <laughs> I forgot that part. Uh, as Larry David might say, they're an inconsistent fruit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they are, and then when they rot, they smell like absolute dog shit right beside you. How can you ever want to get one before it rots? And if you have, which we do at the house, like a fruit bowl that we end up throwing the bread in as well, yeah. If you let a banana go too far, it permeates everything. Everything that's near it will end up tasting like it, it sucks. I, dude, I, I won't go into what Sean knows the story of how and why, but that is literally if I and the funny thing is I, I'm a king of mind over matter and I shove one down every morning because I know how good it is for me. Get your and potassium. then when I right after when I look at the peel, I'm like, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I was born with no sense of smell, so I have no idea what the hell you guys are talking about. There you go. Well, uh, this is minute 42 of going bananas with Tony Danza and Danny <laughs> DeVito. It begins with <laughs> no, wait. screw you guys for tricking us into this movie damn it <laughs> this is minute 42 of fright night it begins with peter having a moment of arrogance and it ends with peter giving some free advice i don't mind i made this decision so he can never grow can never grow Uh, all right, so we are back in the apartment with Peter Vincent. No bananas in sight, thankfully. But he is um, responding to Amy saying, what could be more important than my autograph? Very modest, yes. <laughs> <laughs> For a man who's being evicted and doesn't have many fans, he is very modest. Welcome to being Sean's friend. That is just the way he acts all the time. He should be talking to Ed about this. I mean, you see Ed just squirreling around right. everything behind him. He should be going, uh, would he like an autograph? <laughs> yeah, he probably wants one, yeah. Have you guys ever collected autographs, ever gone after an autograph at all? I do have some. Uh, Richard owning a comic book store and I being one of his good friends means I have a lot of access to comic book writers and artists when they show up. So I have a sketch full of sketches from artists and I have comic books that are signed by artists and writers and stuff like that. Uh, I've got a lot of Alex Ross art. I've got uh, some Valiant art. I've got a bunch of different and, things. And yeah. me being a, a a mix of, you know, getting my degree in film, but... So if you spin around and look at Todd's yeah, wall behind him. The, 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 the room where we are will tell you the, the tale of the tape with me. I'm a mix of... I, I grew up loving film and I'm, I'm a musician. I study music all the way th- through to my third and a half year in college and then decided I wasn't going to make any money and went and got a degree in film. So uh, the autographs that I have, I, over on the wall right over here... Uh, my yep. wife got me uh, – I'm a drummer. I was originally a drummer, and Stuart Copeland is my god. And she bid on front row tickets for me, and with that came a signed lithograph. So I had the police right over there sting Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland. You mean Stuart Copeland who did music for the pilot of Babylon 5? Yes, he also did for me. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I told you he can tie it back to Babylon 5. But I don't really like autographs. I mean, to me, it's kind of – 
It's one of those things where I haven't gone up for autographs so much anymore. If an art, if a writer is coming to the store, I want to support them, so I go in and yeah, get sure. an autograph. But I'm not like hunting somebody down for an autograph. Yeah. I pay for sketches. You know, I will pay for somebody's autograph because I remember one time going to a combo convention and a writer that I love, Peter David, was there, and I was talking to him, and I had a DVD of Reefer Madness, the musical that they put out with Christian mm-hmm. uh, Bell in it, yeah. and he loved that, and I. I worked for Blockbuster at the time, so I got a free copy, and I gave it to him. And he goes, hey, thank you very much. You, would you like a script? I'll sign it for you, whatever. And I said, sure, I'll take that one, not realizing that was, I was pointing at, like, his most expensive script that he was selling. Oh, crap. So he goes, oh, yeah, thank you. Then I walk away, and Way I see. Way to go, Sean. Holy crap, I just took it. I walk back. I'm like, here's the money for it. Thank you very much. I did not mean the most expensive thing on the table. I was just pointing at something because I, I like your work, and I want to get your signature. In answering the question myself, like, uh, really, I, I – I think what's the point to them? I'm very yeah. kind of cynical about it, but I, I do love that idea of being like, I love what this person puts out. Uh, I'm going to pay them the, the signature. It's just a signature, you know, whatever, but it's, it's also like giving them some money and supporting. supporting. Yeah. yeah. I have four and, and they're not ones that I sought out. One was, I got a postcard from the comedian email Phillips. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, who was just found recently? I was he really? Yeah. So that that's pretty fun. I've got that put away somewhere. I I have a signed copy of Under the Dome from Stephen King. Okay, okay. that's cool. I didn't love the book. Uh, sorry, Steve, but you know that's cool to have. Being being a big fan of his. That one, yeah. Wait, uh, did you buy no. that signed? What's that? Did you find out that it was signed later? Or was that something else I'm thinking of? No. No, that was that. I went to see him read here in Manchester, Vermont, oh, and uh, part of the price of the nicer tickets were getting signed oh, a signed copy. Awesome. I have Stephen Jeffries as Evil Ed, uh, right? Okay, right there now. you go. Oh, thank you for tying it back into the movie. That was really good job, by the way. <laughs> and then, and then, last but not least, I, I have a signed copy of the children's book I did with Tom Holland, oh, signed by Tom Holland. Well, I was about uh, to say, you sign it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I just fan. I almost wanted to scribble his out and write mine over it because <laughs> kind of funny. Not that important. Fuck him. Yeah, I, <laughs> we love you, Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. We love your movie. <laughs> I, I never sought out autographs. I, I had a bad experience with uh, Neil Finn of the band Crowded House, who's now playing with Fleetwood Mac. And I, I love as a musician, but I got to meet. I actually met that band twice, once in Dallas and when I was in film school in Florida. And the second time, he couldn't have been a bigger dick. And, and the, he signed something for me. I was like, I don't want your <laughs> autograph, and I still have it. And so to this day, that that kind of thing is, I don't want it. I, I've, I, I'm a Springsteen fanatic, and I've literally come within seconds of meeting him in an autograph, and I honestly don't think I want it. I, I just don't, I don't know. There's something to me that's so disingenuous, it's almost like, you know... Because Processing. Half the, yeah, half the performers in the world will tell you that, hey, the, the Roddy McDowell you're meeting is not the Roddy McDowell who I am. That's, you know, I, I hang Roddy McDowell almost like Mr. Uh, Rogers does a sweater in a closet when I'm mm-hmm. done. Sure. So I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel real to me when I do it. But then there are it. things like uh, I did uh, – I went and saw Neil Gaiman the last time he came to America because it was his last book tour that he said he was going to do. It's, I think it was called The Ocean at the End of the Lane is the book that he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure I could meet him one time because that would 
probably be the only time I would have an opportunity to meet him. So I wanted to get that book signed, and then he right. signed, uh, I think, a Sandman book for me, too. And that's Well, know, there's no rhyme or yeah. reason. I mean, you can like it. You, it's, it's, it's not my kind of gig. I would, I'd rather sh- – I go to South by Southwest every year, and I love that I can walk up to musicians that I like, shake their hand, take a quick picture, and say, man, I can't wait to hear your next thing, and let them go. I'll tell you what was nice yeah. about Gaiman. The Majestic Theater, I know Todd knows how big it is. Mm-hmm. It was sold out. He signed autographs for everybody there. He stayed till like 2 in the morning. Well, that's like when we saw Penn and Teller, too. They went yeah. out to the lobby. and you know, wait till everybody's gone. Yeah. Everybody's gone. Everybody's happy. So I, I do admire those people that will do that kind of thing. It's just not my gig. Yeah, it's, it'd be kind of funny, you know, if you made Fright Night today, disregarding the remake. If you made Fright Night today and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, uh, you don't want to talk? How about a selfie? You guys want a selfie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Right. But I mean, how much ass whip must that be if you're a famous person and, and, you know, you've had a shitty day and somebody comes screaming up and wants an autograph? You you don't want to deal with that right There's an appropriate time to do it and an unappropriate time. Obviously, you don't know if somebody's had a shitty day, but, you know, then you also can go, I'd love to, but I can't. Right. That's it. Right. Right. I I was a bartender a couple of years ago and um, had the chance to wait on and hang out with Dan Aykroyd a little bit. Oh, cool. And it crossed my mind. Like, you know, I love the Ghostbusters. I love a lot of the things he's done. But I thought the same way, like, you know what? The conversation was good enough. I'm not going to bug this fucking guy to sign a piece of paper. It would just be stupid. Right. Uh, somebody, you know, anybody could have signed that. Of course, it's just like saying, you can't say you went to Yale. Yeah, I can. I can say I went to Yale. It doesn't mean I went to Yale. Anybody could <laughs> <Right>. sign it. <laughs> Hey, it's Roddy McDowell if you want to. And, and while we're doing this, I'm thinking I, I Sean is not a sports fanatic, but living in Dallas, I grew up being a Dallas Cowboy fanatic. So I've actually on the wall behind me, I've got Troy Aikman signing stuff. Yeah. And he signed stuff. I didn't get those. People gave it to me. And, so it could have been anybody that Well, and then it. everybody's like, you could sell it. Well, you can't sell it without a thing of authentication. Yeah. And I'm like, this is hog shit. Right. It's, just, <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, I work for a auction house, and we will sell signed sports memorabilia, mm-hmm. and we have gotten emails from players that go, that's not my signature. And then really? you have to go, oh, hey, guy, that you're mm-hmm. selling this to researches more because right. they're saying they've never signed they would never sign xyz by the way as a reset for the kind listener you're listening to autograph talk hey <laughs> <laughs> oh don't worry we're going to be talking baked goods soon uh you know and that'll be another diversion but i i like how uh roddy plays this kind of pompous remark like what could be more important than my autograph really kind yeah. of sincerely so it doesn't make you hate his reaction he just like he just has no idea what these kids are doing here, and he he's just you know a bit little concerned about this troubled young girl with the big brown eyes, um, creepy guy that's just looking at all this shit. Right. right. Well, I, I to me that I, I'm glad you touched on that because as I watched it, I, I wanted to ask Sean. It felt again, you know, and, and obviously you're looking at an actor that's in. At least three of the movies that you and I have broken down minute by minute. What I love about Roddy's acting is that it isn't, it isn't, he doesn't turn on a dime. He doesn't, the motion doesn't go, what? It's, you can almost see the realization at, hey, do you don't want my my autograph? But he's also. Why would a little young woman here? Why is she here? He's thinking ahead and where his words are going to go. He's, the thoughts are there. Yeah, and I, right away I was like, "Shit, this is Cornelius when he's talking to Zero." When you can see that there's more than just the lines he's saying, 
I'm so glad this doesn't come off as creepy. Like the creepy version of this would be like, oh, come in, young dear. Ed, you can wait outside. What did you need? <laughs> I, okay. I've, I've had thought many, about this, but yeah, that's creepy. I've had many experiences, well, not many, I can't say many, maybe a handful of experiences going to concerts with uh, a girl that like was a friend of mine and we'd end up uh, backstage because of her charm. And we'd, we'd literally like get invited onto like a tour bus and I'd but be, I'm, I'd be stopped. I'd be, she'd be let on. I'd be stopped and I'd have to look at him and go, I'm not her boyfriend. And I'd be like, okay, Julie, you're cool. <laughs> will be no fucking, trust me. Listen though, man, think about this for a second, Robin. Actor, older gentleman, no family, not married, no kids. Uh, he was not interested in her. Oh. I mean, Oh, companionship, yes. Well, I can say that Peter gets uh, interested uh, in her plight when he, you know, she says, "What he says, what could be more important than my autograph?" And he said, and she says, "Saving a boy's life." So, so Peter's uh, a bit baffled by this, but is distracted by the whole uh, eviction notice sitting out in the open. I love this little. He kind of grabs it and turns and folds it and puts it in the upper pocket of his smoking jacket. I almost thought for a minute there he was going to make a pocket square out of it. <laughs> but you know, so I wondered about that initially. I was like, okay, why is he why is he feeling the need to put that up? Because when I walk in someone's house, yes, I'm, I'm not looking at their paperwork. Yeah, yeah. I might geek out over all their memorabilia, but I'm not going to go. Oh, to what is mail. this eviction? Yeah. Oh, you piece of shit, you sham! You know, I'm not going to do that. To <laughs> So I find it a bit odd, but then when I start thinking about what Roddy does with the character, and it's just it w- the little minor picking it's up, it's the of things that he feels like I this is I'm shame, I'm ashamed of this and I'm putting it away. Yeah. Then it becomes there's a layer of Peter that once again, to to your points about that he has the best arc of the, of any of the characters. There is his frailty right, right on display. Maintaining an illusion that's display. not there anymore. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, and and of course, you know, Amy might not be concerned about any of this stuff, but Ed, Ed at this point has now <laughs> moved. He's, he's, he's in Nirvana, yeah. He's picking up a skull and looking it square in the eyes. <laughs> he's like, hey, put that down. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine walking into, I'm going to say J. Michael Straczynski, because I love him, his house, and just picking up his memorabilia and looking at it. <laughs> yeah, well, touching stuff, for, yeah. yeah. The the first thing I pick up is a thing that falls apart and is the most expensive thing in his house. Right. So, <laughs> so when I finally get to meet Springsteen, I shouldn't pick up his guitars and play them. No, don't pick him up. Oh, no, don't yeah. pick him up yeah. and play him. <laughs> Do you have that handkerchief that you hung out your back pocket at that one? That one right there? You blow your nose into it. <laughs> Oops. Courtney Cox around here somewhere. <laughs> wow. Now we're going down a, a man a, a hole that I don't even want to touch on there, but <laughs> Hey Bruce, uh, where's your secret garden at? Uh, <laughs> Do you notice that skull that Ed picked up is yeah. a vampire skull? Uh-huh. Oh, no, I didn't notice it was a vampire one, no. Yeah, I hadn't until. But I, it's either that or the Goonies skull. I think it's vampire. <laughs> Holy crap, Stephen Jeffries is still working. Yeah. Dude, yeah. He, it's, I mean, all kind of like B-movie type stuff, but he's, dude's never quit working at all. That's awesome. Oh, no. Um, Ed goes on and says, you know, asks if Peter remembers a fruitcake kid named Charlie Brewster. You mean the, the crazy kid that attacked me yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I think I can remember that. So for some reason, I decided to do, do fruitcake research. <laughs> so, 
I'm sorry. Uh, so fruitcake, uh, it is a derogatory term for a gay man. It's definitely not what Ed means here, of course. Uh, no. Has anybody on the podcast had fruitcake before? <laughs> I, I have A, had a slice of fruitcake, and B, done more than my fair share of passing fruitcakes through the family to other families. <laughs> <laughs> I just It's like bread and cherries and gummy yeah. candy. There, somebody just went. I'm really drunk. I've got candy here and some rum. Let's just throw it in some bread, and then pass out. Yes. My grandma used to give them to us for Christmas, along with her cookies that she had made back in October. So they've gone <laughs> they've completely stale. dry by now. <laughs> and you couldn't even chew that, and then you go for it, and I would just vomit after the first cake. It's traditionally drenched in liquor. Um, mm-hmm. But and fruitcake is a term for an eccentric or insane person as well. So the fact that it's an alcoholic cake probably lends to the meaning. Like this person is completely drenched in plaster of it. So the term uh, there's a, there's an origin of the term nutty as a fruitcake, and this is what people come to our podcast for to find out uh, uh, stupid facts. Mail order fruitcakes in America began in 1913. Some well known. American bakers of fruitcake include Collins Street Bakery in Corsicana, Texas. And That's the one out here. Yeah. With the metal t- and everything. Real quick to get into yeah. um, your explanation. In Texas here, when you get a fruitcake, whenever it's gone, use that tin for storing sewing yeah. supplies or <laughs> knickknacks or anything. Yeah. That's, so you got your fruitcake and then you got your storage. That's where I put my drugs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the, the other one is the Claxton Bakery in Claxton, Georgia. You know, obviously you guys know there's southern companies with inexpensive access to large nut qualities or quantities rather. Um, so most of them that are produced in America are alcohol free. But traditional recipes are saturated with liquors or brandy or covered in powdered sugar, both of which prevent mold. Uh, oh, you booze it up so it doesn't rot. Okay, good yeah. enough. And some people what, feel that fruitcakes improve with age. Well, what encourages mold is that I don't eat it. It just sits there. <laughs> uh, so in the United States, the fruitcake has become a ridiculed dessert, mass-produced, and you might not know how old the cake is that you get. Families exchange the same fruitcake year after year. <laughs> Yuck. At that point, it can just become a cornerstone for a house or something. <laughs> Did you not know that's what our house is built on here, Sean? It's just if you go over to the north wall, north wall it's nothing but fruitcakes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. We built this city. Uh, since, <laughs> since, Cake roll. <laughs> since 1995, Manitou Springs, Colorado, has, has hosted the Great Fruitcake Toss of the first Saturday of every January. Uh, the all-time Great Fruitcake Toss record is 1,420 feet set in January no 2007 by a group of eight Boeing engineers who built the Omega 380, a mock artillery piece fueled by compressed air pumped by an exercise bike. <laughs> we have global warming going on, and these people are doing that. Shouldn't they be putting their... <laughs> but we got to find out how far we can get that fruitcake, though. we got to set that record. Maybe fruitcake's what saves the well, earth. I thought the uh, biggest fruitcake toss would be on... Uh, 
December 26th when a million people throw them away. (laughs) First Saturday of every January. So, you know, get them through, you know, New Year's. Uh, Last fruitcake fact. uh, A 106-year-old fruitcake was discovered in 2017 in Antarctica's oldest building, a hut on Cape Adair, brought there in 1899 by the Robert Scott Expedition and was left behind. The New Zealand-based Antarctic Heritage Trust found it and described it as being, quote, in excellent condition and also, quote, almost edible. (laughs) (laughs) Every fruitcake? I was about to say, I think that they actually bought it fresh then. Yeah. (laughs) I think they found, like, uh, whiskey there, too. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. In the fruitcake, yeah. Yeah. I just want since I prefer beer over whiskey, can I drench my whiskey? Whiskey. Can I drench my fruitcake in beer? Technically, you can drench anything in beer. That's true. Mm, you find beer. a whiz cake at the bottom of most urinals. Yeah, well, <laughs> thank you for that was going. I'm glad I set you up. <laughs> so Peter doesn't remember Charlie until Amy says he's the one who thinks of vampires living next door to him. And I just love how Ed just cracks this gigantic grin, just like, what an idiot my friend is. <laughs> yeah. But Peter immediately remembers. He says, you know he is insane. <laughs> like, just like knowing, uh, like, hey, uh, just so you know. And then Ed's smile gets even bigger because it's just like the star of one of his favorite programs is calling his best friend insane. <laughs> completely hilarious to him. Behind them, I, there's something I didn't point out in our last minute when we we're talking about things around the uh, the apartment. We see a shelf. We get kind of a better look at the shelf over where the armchair is, and on that shelf, and I think there's another one sitting on like an end table. But those are Saturn Awards. Okay, really? Yeah, uh, Fright Night actually won two of them. It won uh, best horror. The movie, and then they won the Saturn Awards for the movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's as if Roddy won like, or sorry, Peter won like three in his lifetime. And now, and then it goes on to uh, win two. Considering that he's supposed to be kind of like a B movie actor, those are actually in the science fiction community mm-hmm. prestigious awards. So he did some good work at some point. Or maybe he bought them. <laughs> oh, just, or somebody else died and he got him in an estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. These are Bellas. I'm holding on to them for him. Hey. <laughs> of course, anytime I hear Bella, you know, my wife despised the movie Ed Wood, except for the line when he says, nobody gets two fucks for Bella. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> So they won uh, Fright Night won Best Horror, which uh, they won over. The other nominees were Life Force, uh, Elm Street 2, Reanimator, and The Return of the Living Dead. Oh, come on. Th- those are some good ones to go up against. Come on. Life Force, the space vampires. Uh, I mean, so we got two vampires going I, against each I other. hate to be a child of that era, but I didn't watch Life Force for the vampires. Oh. I watched it for the naked woman. I who was you all the way <laughs> the Lord, they turned that, into zombies and they explode into dust. Come on. That was a pretty cool movie. Yeah. But I would give Friday Night the best Patrick movie, Stewart too. Patrick Stewart with all his fluids coming out of his face. He was in that? Oh, yeah. I Patrick remember Stewart that. Was in it. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. She was naked. I didn't see the you, rest you of the movie. The part. <laughs> well, I actually haven't seen that movie, but if there's boobies, promise. Uh, oh, Simon. And she's a gorgeous <laughs> woman, too. Uh huh. <laughs> the other award yeah. they won was for Best Writing. Tom okay. Holland won that award. Over the other nominees were uh, Young Sherlock Holmes, The Purple Rose of Cairo, Mad right. Max Beyond Thunderdome, and Cocoon. Wow. Uh, yeah, up Man, they, good they movies, killed some yeah. pretty good movies right there. Yeah. Uh, young Frankenstein, I mean, Young Sherlock Holmes was the first CG character in a movie. Yeah, with, uh, I think Barry Levinson wrote that script. I can't remember. Spielberg yeah. produced Barry Lemonson had something to do with it. I mean, they're beating some good people, but 
Friday Night's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I, I hate that the most current thing people think of is that is remake. Yes, me too. Every single time I type into Google Fright Night, I see a hundred David Tennant shirtless pictures. <laughs> oh, David Tennant, which is shirtless. Like, thank you, Hang Internet, on. for populating. I just actually they won three Saturn Awards. I uh, this is actually a pretty big one. Uh, Best supporting actor Roddy won that. There you awesome. go. Awesome. Now he beat out uh, Joel Gray for Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, which was. Uh, now we're starting to slide a little bit. Okay. Uh, Joel Gray, you you don't touch Joel Gray. I mean, he is <laughs> Ian Holm in Dream Child. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the other two nominees: Crispin Glover and Christopher Lloyd for Back to the Future. Oh, whoa! Wow! 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 He beat Holy him. crap! Yep. I wonder if it's one of those things where there are people that say the Oscars should not be given to movies the year that they come out. You make them wait a couple of years and see how they hold up over time. Mm. You know, the the movies that he was up against were some, you know, in the sci-fi horror genre are right. big movies. So Huge. You know, the fact that he did that is pretty impressive. But if you go, if you would have waited five years to make that choice again, Back to the Future takes it, I think, over yeah, Friday night. Yeah, I, I, I've said it before. On I do another podcast with a friend where it's more of a you know truly talk about the business of film. I, I despise award shows for that very reason. <laughs> you start to think, look, Roddy's fantastic and deserves his accolades, but at the same time, those other people do good work too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, it's it's a shame that Roddy never got those kind of bigger accolades. Well, the two things I think of when it comes to award shows, I think it was Tina Fey. Comedy Central had started doing the Comedy Central Awards or something like that, and she was giving out the first one, and she just goes, remember, all awards are made of bullshit that we just <laughs> give somebody else a prize. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mean anything. And then I was listening to Andy Richter's podcast, and uh, he's talking about awards, too. He goes, look, we have a room full of people that are very lucky to be doing a job that they are you know, blessed to be able to do because most people would want to be able to do this. If you're an actor, you know, you get paid a whole lot of money and guess what we do. We take seven of them and put them in a category and say, all you stink except for one. (laughs) So good people. The one person is not better just because they won an award. Well, shit, if we're going to go down this rabbit hole last night, I go up to watch my, my young niece who's up for homecoming queen, but is one of like, I didn't realize you did this. I don't remember this when I was in high school, but then again, I was in high school back before we actually had when TVs and telephones. And yeah. um, <laughs> they nominated like 30 young girls, and then they picked five of them to put on the field tonight to give to Homecoming Queen. And so, you know, I went up to her and I said, hey, said, you know what, honey, you're my Homecoming Queen. She's like, Uncle Todd, I don't give a crap. She's like, I, I, they're all begging each other for these awards, and I think that's the truth of it. Nice. So often some people are just sort of begging for the award. The attention or, yeah, but we, the validation. But, but what we hear about Roddy, I doubt Roddy campaigned at all for that oh, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> anything oh, in this for, kind of, he might have got it because of previous work. Who knows? Yeah, and I, I think that if anything, I, exactly that. People looked at him and said, damn, you're good. You deserve some attention. Kind of like the last Lord of the Ring movies getting Academy Awards because the first one's in because of right. all the work he did in general. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the, at least in the Best Supporting Actor category, I think the only big competition Roddy really had was Christopher Lloyd. I mean, that's a character too. You know, that's a yeah. great character as well. Well, um, yeah. so, uh, um, but, it's, but it's clownish, and I love. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, too. That's yeah. it's right up there with this. But it, Roddy actually is uh, doing some emotional acting in this in this movie. That he again, he's the heart of this film. I, 
don't remember Doc Brown doing anything that really, you know. Yeah, but then, and this is not just to, to fight with you over, and this is why I don't like awards, because I don't think that Doc Brown can be emotional. I don't think that, you know, you might get that in part three when he starts falling in love and allowing himself that to happen, but that film demands that he be the comic undertone sure. that, is, that is the actual kind of rationale of the truth, but he's not, he has to be the comic foible throughout. So I, I don't know that you can point those things to it, and, but I do agree with you. Roddy's acting on a different level in this film. Uh, a couple of things that they lost to back to the future as well. Best special effects back to the future beat uh, Richard Edlund's team here on fright night, which just like, it kills me kind of, <laughs> yeah, cause they're, special effects in here yeah. i mean the the werewolf at the end and then when he was the werewolf and then the vampire transmission uh, transformations and whenever she becomes you know the big face monster and all that kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. good stuff and uh imagine this category but uh best actor chris sarandon lost to michael j fox as marty mcfly <laughs> come on man. okay can yeah, you imagine look. just those two i don't know <laughs> they don't belong it's two different performances I know, yeah that Long compared here's, to one here's another. This kid versus this sex god, according to my mom. I think I'll. <laughs> and uh, finally, best director, uh, Tom Holland lost to Ron Howard, who did Cocoon that year. So, Cocoon huh. over. It's a sweet movie. You're never get old, never going to die. Thank you very much. Wilford or whatever. Well, you know, We're all Wilford Brimley's age right now, which is interesting. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> we don't feel it. That's the that's the difference. We don't feel that old. That is right. I do eat oatmeal every morning. And Len has diabetes. <laughs> um, I go I, swimming in a pool with cocoons, but that's just me. <laughs> I, I, I lead a boring life. I don't have anything to, to throw in here. <laughs> Uh, you never went uh, 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 skinny dipping with uh, sexy, glowy ladies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Skin suit aliens? Skin yeah. Suit, yeah. I live my entire life by watching all that stuff on the silver screen. <laughs> <laughs> so after Peter says, you know he's insane, Amy's face kind of drops. And uh, that's when Peter follows it up with, oh, dear, I, I do hope it's not a friend of yours. <laughs> yeah. But that's the moment, too, when I sit there and I thought, shit, I can watch Roddy act. All day because there is oh, true sweetness. And, oh there. my god! And and how many times have we seen that in Apes where it's just the oh, zero deer, you know? And he'll just completely dial it down, but it's it's so sincere. Yeah, that's uh that's when Ed jumps in and it's like, yeah, oh, she's got the hots for the creep and grabs her little chin and she gets a she he gets a punch <laughs> in the arm for it and yeah. he lets out an Amy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not the first time she's punched him. <laughs> Uh, so Amy tells him, tells Peter that Charlie is planning to kill his neighbor, and Ed adds on with a laugh that with a stake through the heart, and uh, that's when Amy glares at him, and Ed protects his face with his jacket, <laughs> and that's where we end with Peter saying, "Your friend needs a psychiatrist, not a vampire killer." Yeah, and the and the next question, the next thing he does is after they leave, call the police and say, "Hey, <laughs> hey somebody's planning on killing their neighbor." Yeah. I mean, I guess that would be the responsible thing to do, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it, maybe financial situations would change. Maybe he would change his mind. I'm not sure. We will find out later in the week, but uh, I can't this minute, but we'll see. Yeah, that's where our minute ends, and uh, want to definitely tell our listeners that for the rest of the week it'll just be Len and I. So uh, we definitely want to thank you guys, Todd and Sean, from Minute of the Apes, for stopping by these first two days of the week. 
Well, thank you for having us on. Yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, totally. we get to talk Roddy and we get to see his face. We're very happy. Yeah. <laughs> and you got a uh, you got a little uh, uh, plan of the Apes Easter egg as well. So we yeah, did. and you know, you solved that mystery for me. So thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so uh, let folks know uh, where they can find uh, Minute of the Apes, please. And all, all your other contacts and all that. <laughs> You can find us at com. You can find us Twitter. It's Everything is straight Minute of the Apes. No The Minute, just Minute of the Apes. Yep. Uh, Richard, Sean, and I handle that. It's a daily podcast. We also put out a, a segment on Saturdays that we call In Between where we just straight on hit pop culture because sitting in nine times out of ten, either in my little nerd room here or, or Richard's uh, comic store, pop culture is all around us. Mm-hmm. So we put the stuff out at six days a week. We're there with you. We love to hear from people. We love to talk back to you. So come on over. If, you, if you're enjoying what you're hearing here and, and these guys are doing a great job, come listen to us too. We, we hope we, we can entertain you as well. As for us, uh, we'll put a stake in this one. Nail the coffin shut. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Len. I'm Sean. I'm Todd. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. He's a vampire. A what? (laughs) 